Welcome back everybody. This is Eric and Chad here with Iraq Veteran 8888. Today we got another gun gripe episode for you. Today's gun gripe is going to be called Unintended Consequences. What does that mean? Exactly. So what we're referring to is the way things are going right now in the gun industry post-Trump. Mm -hmm. You know, Trump was elected. Uh, he hasn't been in office over 100 days yet, but there's been some, some things going on and everything, but there's really no existing fear that people are going to have their guns taken away. So all this fear buying and all this pre-gun pre ban talk that was going yep. on and all this like pre-gun ban, oh, we got to hurry up, manufacture a bunch yeah, of stuff. Yeah, ramp up production. Ramp up production. So now it that unintended consequence is kind of coming back to bite the gun industry just a little bit. It is. And it's turned into like a really extreme case of like, buyer's market galore oh it's buyer's yeah. market for sure i mean it's common econom economics you know there's a huge supply of like black rifles and all kinds of crazy stuff on the market and it's like there's a little bit of demand yep. you know so I mean, i've been seeing all these advertisements like come through my email like ars like ruger uh ar 556s like 500 bucks like buy this gun and get this for free you Smith know Smith and Wesson M&P Sports for like, like 449 you know, I mean whatever yep. you know just all these crazy bargains on like ARs and stuff because all these companies ramped up so much production in, in fear of a Hillary presidency and it didn't happen. And now they're just kind of like, uh, what, are we, what are we going to do with all this stuff? It's like, you know, I mean, how can you sell another AR in this market? It's, it's just about impossible. I mean, the big scheme of things. I mean, that's just one thing, too. There's, well, I mean, all these, all these companies that are starting to lay people off because of the slowdown in the industry and slowdown mm -hmm. on the buyer side of things. I mean, people just aren't buying like they were in the past eight years with all the fear going on. You it's know? highly unfortunate, too. I it mean, is. The last thing that we would ever want to do in this video is, to, is to, to make anyone feel awkward or weird about that. Or if you're in the gun industry and you're one of those people that's, like, losing your job... I mean, we definitely feel for you, and, and the bad part about it, it's like, it's more of a cry for help than it is like, hey, let's look at the little person in the corner and make fun of him. It, it's definitely not like that. No, not I, I think that, you know, we should try at, at every turn to support the gun industry and to uh, do what we can. I mean, it's, it's a big undertaking to, like, you know, they ramped up production and all this kind of stuff. So, I guess how many entry-level ARs can you really sell? And that's the big thing. A lot of these companies were banking on the fact that, I mean, look at all of the companies that came out of the woodwork recently, mm -hmm. and they've all got an AR-15 now, and they want to put their name on an AR. I mean, that boat left a long time ago, and it's been full, yep. and it's got a little pinprick hole in the bottom of it, and it's been sinking for a good little while. So <laughs> it's kind of a bad time to want to, you know, jump in that boat at the moment. Yep. So some companies got in a little bit too late, a little bit too deep, and they're probably feeling the pain right now. And uh, it's highly unfortunate because uh, it, you know, innovation and the way innovation gets mm -hmm. driven in the market is through competition. It is. Competition makes innovation. And when people are like, wow, you know, there's a lot of stuff on the AR market. And the reason we keep mentioning AR specifically is because AR is one of the most common type of sporting, uh, personal defense, hunting, uh, military, you call, you name it. It's one of the most common firearms that are sold really uh, around the country. Suffice Everybody loves say, ARs. Suffice to say utilitarian at yeah. that. I mean, um, you know, this video is not really just totally encompassing ARs. I mean, you know, like Eric mentioned, companies um, kind of ramping up production stuff and like innovation and whatnot going on. There's a lack of that really in the big scheme of things. You've got these huge companies like, for example, Remington recently, they laid off like 120 some odd employees at their New York plant. And really Remington hasn't really done a whole lot in the past several years that's been, you know, 
something that's going to make me uh, make me go out and want to buy. It's not gonna be, it's something that's not going to blow my skirt up. I mean, like the recent uh, striker fire gun they put out, what the RP9. I mean that thing's plagued with problems. I mean, and the R fifty one's been a problem. I mean, all along. You know, and even like some of the bolt action guns. I mean, the quality has been really spotty ever since you know the whole Freedom Group thing and all that. And it's kind of like hit or miss whether or not you're going to get a good gun, and that's really hurt the reputation, you know, yep. a lot. And I bought just, two five R Remington seven hundreds, and knock on wood, I've yet to have a problem out of either one of them. Those but guns are great. That's a five R. I mean, that's a nicer Remington. It's not an entry level Remington. Well, I will say now. I bought a Remington AAC SD, which was like six hundred and fifty bucks. Granted, like half the cost of it, a you, you know five R. Yeah, it just it came in. It's just basic steel construction, like a parkerized type finish or whatever the case mm -hmm. is. It's got a, a Hogue overmold stock, and I've been kind of constantly improving it, adding like a chassis system and you know rings and bases and the whole nine yards, doing accuracy testing. We're talking and, about the locking loads. Yeah, I noticed like early on it, it was shooting really good, and then it started like opening up and doing some crazy things. And I was like, well, you know what? I was having some extraction problems with the the style of extractor that uh, Remington uses. And I was like, forget it, I'm just going to buy a PT&G bolt and you know, have Ray ream it out and everything for me. Well, come to find out, the thing is only contacting on one locking lug. So the bolt is only making contact on one locking lug, and that basically means that the receiver is nowhere near square, but it's within the tolerance that Remington allows in that particular model. Yeah. So that that's kind of it. Kind of turns me off to that. I mean, I've actually been looking at some of the Tika rifles. Yep. You know, lately, just because of the value that they uh, possess. We well, you know, know that this video is definitely. We're not intending to throw anybody under the bus. We're not doing that. Uh, but on on the big skimmy things, I mean, a lot of the big names in the firearms world have had their share of quality control issues, yep. and uh, it definitely doesn't instill confidence in the people's minds. But Kind of getting back to the, the main vein of, of the gun gripe is that, you know, it is a buyer's market. So when it is a buyer's market, when the buyer is plagued with the, the arduous task of having to select which gun he wants to buy, and there's so many of them out there, and there's so many companies going, hey, we'll, uh, you know, like for instance, buy our suppressor and we'll give you $200 credit. Uh, towards your tax stamp. Basically, we'll pay your tax stamp yep. for you. Or when you've got a company going, hey, we'll give you an instant $300 rebate on this rifle or shotgun mm -hmm. or whatever, it's hard to not want to take advantage of those. So um, it, it really is just, it's slippery. It It is an unintended consequence. It is. I mean, if you want to talk about suppressors and unintended consequences, yeah, we, can, HPA, that's we can we talk, about, talk yeah, about. We can talk about the Hearing Protection Act. So, you know, there was this big push by a, a large suppressor manufacturer, you know, Silencer Co., and um, basically saying, hey, the HPA is a done deal. Hey, you know, suppressors are going to come off the registry. You're going to be able to buy them over the counter. And they ramped up, you know, their employees and they ramped up production the whole nine yards. And they kind of had an unintended consequence in that people stopped buying suppressors. Right. So right now, suppressor sales have slowed down so much. And like these sales that Eric's talking about, there's companies that are offering like, hey, buy this suppressor, get this one for $100. Or like a two hundred dollar, you know, uh, pre HPA tax credit or whatever toward the purchase of other accessories that you might need for that particular can. That's right. I mean, it's just crazy the deals and stuff that are coming down the pipeline, and they're only going to get better. This really is. I mean, we can't say it enough. This is a buyer's market. If you were ever in, you know, the market for a firearm, you know, past, present, future, 
now is going to be some of the best time to buy ever, especially probably in the next year or two. It really is horrible to think about in, in the big, I mean, it's great if you're if you're trying to buy, especially like right now is the perfect time to be a first time gun owner. Oh, if good you, God, yeah. If, if you're just getting into the 2A community and you're, and you're wanting to be a gun owner, like now, it, there's never been a better time to be a gun owner than it is now. I mean, it really is. It, it's it's like I don't know any other way to put it like a renaissance well, of, of gun ownership. How it, frustrating you know? is it? Like if you're if you're turning eighteen or whatever the case is, you could buy your first long gun. You've been saving up for an AR fifteen, and you go to buy one, and there's this big panic buy going on, and there's not a black rifle to be found anywhere, and you're just like disenfranchised because now the prices are three times what they should be. That's that right. kind of puts a bad taste in your mouth, you it know, does. and they could turn people off to owning firearms at that that rate. But yep. uh, like going back to the HPA real quick, sure, you know. If you don't go out and buy suppressors, guys, the HPA is not going to be a thing. And for folks that have like stamps already in the fold and they're they're in the waiting, you know, period for that, the the queue uh, with the ATF, you know, the the lack of suppressor sales going on, you know, month after month after month is going to decrease that wait time for people that are actually still buying suppressors. And so people should still be buying suppressors. If you, know? you don't show that demand for those items, then the HPA most likely won't become a thing. And it's not just going to happen overnight. You I mean, know, it takes legwork and whatnot, too. I'm going to play devil's advocate here just a little bit about HPA. Well, and I have something there, to say about there, it There's a couple of things going on HPA where there's some writing on the wall where some people think that it, it may not go anywhere due to how it's written. Yep. Not to say it's a poorly written bill. We've all done our part to try to get everybody to push it and to, to call all of the representatives and make sure they know that they, that they support HPA. But it's just the way that it's written almost kind of makes it almost unenforceable in the way that even though it's it's actually a lack of enforcement it's kind of a hey we're giving you this back it's not quite that stark because of the way it's written it actually has some things in it that are a little bit questionable yeah. that might not even make it a thing like some someone's going to get a hold of it and go oh well this this and this and and it's going to end up on the chopping room Bill, floor. Bills yeah. can always be, you know, edited and amended and whatnot on the Senate floor and the House While floor. While it's still there, yeah. yeah. I mean, it goes from one house to the other and it gets revised and then... There's some it, language I need to clarify. Yeah, but for sure. it's it's one of those things. If we want to see suppressors off the registry and be able to be purchased just over the counter, then this is something that you guys need to support and the best way to do that is actually, you know, not holding off on that suppressor purchase that you were thinking Even about. Even if you buy a 22 can. Buy, exactly. buy the cheapest can you can. Get a little 22 can. And guys, remember too, just the like deals. we've talked about... Yeah, the yeah. deals. But then, just like we talked about in previous videos, how they've always tried to chip away a little bit of our rights at a time as they go. This is no different. Like, we are actually getting those little bit of chips, like, glued yep. back onto the block a little bit. Okay, <laughs> we back, might yep. actually be able to get something back. So, we're at a point now where we can push back. And yep. I say the word we, I mean all of us. You, if you're watching this video, when I say we, I mean all of us. Let's so, just clarify. Yeah, I mean, I'm clarifying <laughs> here. You know, when I say that, that it's the time to fight back, we, the people, it's all of us. Yep. No matter who you are, we're, we're all fighting back. And it's a great time to be in the 2A community. And, uh, it, you know, there are a lot of unintended consequences, again, uh, that come along to it. Now, here's the other end of the spectrum, is that there's probably certain entities within the gun industry that are hurting a little bit, like gun companies might be hurting in some cases, depending on what they make. Or, um, you know, suppressor companies might be feeling this thing a little bit because they might have amped up production for a, uh, a huge boom in sales that they're just not seeing. But not then yet. also, the other end of that coin is 
accessories and optics are killing it right now. Oh, yeah. So these guys that bought all these, you know, $500 ARs back during the panic, they gotta guess what? they got to have optics. they yep. got to have rails. They have to have triggers. They have to have stocks. They have to have all of this stuff. They have to buy magazines. They have to buy ammo. So companies like Magpul are probably killing it. Well, they, you know. they likely are. I mean, accessories are always a big thing when it's kind of a slow market anyways because people are going to just piddle still. I mean, like tinkerers, like we, we love to tinker well, with you know, stuff. An you accessory know. like $30 this or $40 that or $100 this, like something that's kind of impulse buy, it's easy to just go, well, I don't want to buy a $1,000 gun, but you know what? I've been wanting this awesome $250 yeah. rail. Bam, let me buy that rail. And I, think, is, you know? I think we're going to see a good influx of like, Precision guns, bolt actions, like custom builds Quality and stuff like that. Quantity. You know, instead of like you know focusing on what might be banned in the future, like the AR semi-automatics and such as that. Mm. I think there's going to be a swing toward like the precision side of of the market. You know, I well, think look how how well the precision rifle series exactly, is going. Everybody's yeah. wanting to you know the whole the the cool thing now is to be a thousand yard shooter and all this stuff, and and that's fine if yeah. it gets people into guns. I don't care. If it makes you happy, you do whatever your little heart desires, you yeah. know, and, and that's cool. You know, the accessory end of it is crazy. It's just awesome to see how well some of these optics manufacturers are doing. Mm -hmm. Like, they're, they're just killing it, you know, like Trijicon's killing it, Leopold's killing it. I mean, Vortex is killing it. All these optics manufacturers are making optics hand over fist, and everybody needs optics on their guns. I mean, yeah. everybody wants that coolest new optic and everything. Like, and everybody's got to have their awesome Geisley trigger yeah. or their, you know, all that. <laughs> well, accessorization is the name of the game probably yeah. nowadays. But, like, going back to, like, the innovation in the industry, you know, you hear this a lot from, like, John over the Gun Collective. I mean, basically, innovate or die. I mean, the industry really has been quite stagnant lately as far as like really innovative guns. I mean, like at SHOT Show, you know, you saw everything about like the Hudson H9, you yeah. know, and I don't really know what the, the huge deal is. I haven't handled one, I haven't shot it yet, but I might, you know, change my tune after handling one. But but, but people's mentality is, oh, like, hey, it's, it's fresh. It's different. You know, yeah. like the last year in 2016, like the Cobalt Kinetic stuff, I mean, that was like something out of the blue in the AR market. It was like, whoa, that is really freaking cool. It struck a nerve. It there hasn't neat. really been anything like that. Like Colt released the little, you know, Compact 38. I mean, it's like, why, Look, why not bring back the Python I love and the Colt. Anaconda line? I love Colt as you much know? as the next person, and they are a great company, and I love their products, but they really need to get their heads out of the I you mean, know what. Consumers, for years, they, they dropped the line, the, the Colt and the Anaconda, or the Python and the Anaconda line. If I was Colt, I would, I would re-release like the six-inch Python stainless, and I'd do like a Rick Grimes model. <laughs> they would sell the crap out of that gun. But do they do it? No. Nope. Well, the problem is, would they be right in line with like Smith & Wesson pricing? Like, would, would a Colt... Yeah, who cares? It's, and a, I, it's a Python. Well, it is, but if, if you can buy like a Smith & Wesson like 686 or 66 for like seven or $800, and then Colt brings out a Python again, and they want like 2500 bucks for it, would they well, sell... Probably, yes. but would they sell in the amount that they really need to like maintain the Python? The company was always an upper end hand fitted gun. It was the Python was intended to be a really nice gun. Like so, like Colt's revolvers back in the day, you know, they had a gun called the Trooper, mm -hmm. which was kind of like a entry level revolver. They had a gun called the Lawman. I used to Lawman. have a Mark III, which is not a bad gun at all. I mean, it's definitely mm -hmm. not an Anaconda or a Python. Then they had the Anaconda, which is definitely not a bad gun, of course. But then the Python was, the like their, the was their cream of the crop hand-fitted yep. gun, and they're awesome. And you will not find a, a Colt revolver that is more awesome than a Python. But 
you know, knowing that surely they're smart enough to go online and be like, holy crap, these pythons are selling for stupid money. Maybe we should reintroduce it and make it just as good as it used to be and I just, people will buy it. I just feel like some of these people, these companies, just really don't they're have... They're out of touch. They, they really are out of touch. They don't have an eye on the industry and the consumers that, that are really fueling the market. And if, if you don't come out with something that's going to you know uh, really stand out to consumers and they want to go out and buy it, I mean, you can't just rest on your laurels. Like, like Colt lost military contracts... And they were resting on that laurel for the longest the time. The M4 laurel. You know, and that's gone. And it's like, oh, crap, what are we going to do now? Oh, well, let's release this little thirty-eight pocket pistol. That no one's going to buy. That uh, I haven't really seen anybody that's had really too much good stuff to say about it either. Well, if I want one, I'm just going to buy a re- an original one. You know? Yeah, I mean, you know, so, because yeah. they're a lot more common than, than the Python would they be. They are, I mean, and... And they're not expensive. And they're probably better made, you know? Uh, that's one of the things, too, is like quality. You know, we've had a lot of guns lately that we've handled that sometimes they're a little janky. It's well, like, you know, man, I don't know about this. I, I've, I've actually become a really, really big fan of six guns. Okay. okay. Yeah. And there's a, there's this all this stuff that keeps rolling around. If you type in, like, German-made SIGs versus American-made SIGs, you're going to find these pissing matches all over the Internet where people are talking about which one's better, which one's worse. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the thing is, it's it's like... You know, there there's some American made SIGs that I've handled that are very, very some stellar, like the, the, nice guns. The Legion guns and stuff and like the nineteen eleven, like that uh that special edition Spartan. I mean that's a nice thing. They gun. are nice yeah. guns. But but then again, you know, when you're talking like an old school, you know, West German mm-hmm. police trade in, you know, uh, uh two what what are the two twenties? Yeah. The, the single-stack forty fives. I mean, like, you find one of those. Now, you know, it's kind of hard not to like a hand-fitted gun that's really nice. So me personally, I can see where... Yeah, you know, me personally, that's kind of more what's up my alley. I, I'm not a terribly large fan of SIG. I know some guys really are. They love all of the SIGs. They, they like, like the Navy SEALs guns, like, what, the Mark 25s and stuff. I yeah. mean, they just go AP over that. But me... East German guns. I mean, that's that's kind of my baby. You know, uh, you know it, and it depends on if you're like the hardcore collector that has to have the original genuine mm-hmm. issue, or if you're one of those guys that just loves the gun and just wants an American-made gun. That I mean, and they're they're all excellent. And any company can put out a lemon. You know, mm-hmm. this could go really far down that rabbit hole. But again, it's all about innovation. I mean, you look at all right. So so here's one where we're going to put someone down and lift them up at the same time. I mean, look at Ruger. You know, Ruger came out with the precision rifle, which in my opinion, is one of the coolest things that a company has ever made for the money in a long time. Like, that is some next-level innovation It's got right a there. lot of features, like, a lot that of is, That is a money. gun that might have literally redefined a sport. Mm-hmm. Like, every now and then, a gun comes along that redefines, like, what people think about a shooting sport. Well, yeah. And they did that. They made it affordable for somebody to get into precision rifle series. Yeah, literally, for under $2,000, you could, you could buy a... Uh, Ruger Precision Rifle in like 6.5 Creedmoor, which is a caliber that ammo is very readily available for. Hornady loads it. You can buy it right on the shelf and go shoot a match. Yep. You can drop a really nice optic on there. They're great long-range optics, like especially from like Leupold, you know, that are under a thousand dollars that yep. really perform. Leupold I has mean, their new VX3i out now. Yeah, the LRP uh, series. Long-range precision yep. uh, gun, which you know, really that particular optic is is, is kind of a mixture of a good hunting optic 
and it also allows tactical people to dabble in kind of that long-range tactical shooting as well. Now, where I'll play devil's advocate with Ruger here is that some of the early Ruger precisions were plagued with their share of problems, yeah. and there's going to be that. But anytime, like, a good way to look at it, and maybe actually a bad way to look at it, but a way you can look at it is <laughs> if you're trying to get to the moon, right? You're trying to shoot a rocket to the moon. You're trying to visit the moon. Well, you're probably going to screw up a few times trying to shoot high. Like, when you set your sights high, and you set the bar high for you and for your competition, you're going to screw up somehow. Mm -hmm. So for them to have come out with such a daring type of design, I feel like, I mean, yeah, you're going to have your share of problems on mm -hmm. an early gun. I mean, you know, you look at like the Smith & Wesson 2.0, the MMP, the new one. You look at the CZP-10 Compact we did the video on. I mean, there's so many new things coming out that are truly innovative. They're kind of new and old. New and old to know? some degree, but... But the point is, it really does drive the point home that it is a buyer's market. Well, there's, there's a, a lot ton of, of stuff out there. A lot of competition on the market, too. And, and, you know, competition, like you said, early on drives innovation. It really does. I mean, you know? like when I was 17, 18 years old, going shopping at gun shops and things like that, I would have never, I mean, there wasn't even a third of the guns available right, back so, then as there is now. So what ARs were on the shelf when we were that age? I mean, well, like when I was shopping for ARs early on, when I, you know, became of age to be able to, you know, buy an AR-15, I mean, you, you could go in a shop and maybe see like a Bushmaster A2, like a full-length mm -hmm. A2 Bushmaster, or like maybe a, a, a Colt that's like a, a post-band yep. with like all the bullcrap features on it that nobody would even want anyway. I can think of three and brands. maybe a DPMS. Well, four brands. DPMS yeah. and Olympic Arms. Yep. Those like were, an Olympic, a DPMS, or maybe a Bushmaster. And like, and like we were talking about earlier, Olympic Arms is no more. Yeah. They've gone the way of the dodo. That's right. You know, in the big scheme of things. And, you, you know, Bushmaster, they've been taken over by a conglomerate. Yep. And, I mean, you know, there's so many companies to choose from. It can almost, it's, it's good and bad because it's almost overwhelming. It's almost too much information. It is. Like, which ones, which ones are good, which ones suck. You know, uh, how, do you, how do you differentiate that? That's right. You know, but it's Well, tough. that's our job is to try to help you guys, try you know, to help. sort through it a little bit. But, um, you know, it... If we said anything in this video that might have upset anybody, we're definitely not trying to throw anybody under the bus. We're no. trying to be supportive. You know, th this is a this is a cry for help, not an accusation. Okay, definitely we so. we want people to understand what is kind of you know the the lifeblood that's kind of being drained from the gun industry it is. right I, now. So. You know, I hate it that you know folks out there are losing their jobs because of the slowdown in the industry. I, I hate it when American jobs get lost because of you know, lack of enthusiasm on the buyer side. Yep. You know, and I think that really what we need to see as far as industry-wide goes is companies coming out of the woodwork that really have something innovative that can create those jobs and be able to produce products that people want to see. And that listen to the consumers you know? and listen to their customers. They listen to the three-gun shooters yep. who are giving them feedback. These big companies you out know? there, that's exactly what they need to do. I that's mean, right. you need to listen to the people out there who are crying for, you know, this particular product or whatever, and you need to do it. You know, don't yep. just rest on your laurels and just say, oh, we're just going to do this that nobody wants. Well, that's one reason that we wanted to get that little CSA 45 out because we yep. thought it was a really interesting gun. It was, it was new and, and it was a veteran-owned company and he really had a vision and wanted to do something with that. So well, it's something to different. me, it was you, really cool. You, you know? don't see a piston-driven 45 really, I mean, yeah. in that sort of platform. And it was just a neat gun, yep. you know. So, so really, I think that's where it's at, guys. Innovation, you're going to see a lot of really cool new stuff. And, uh, you know, you work hard for your money. You know, uh, spend it where you think it it applies to you. You know, mm -hmm. and and that's 
the really cool thing about it, it is a buyer's market. So yep. guys, is there something that we left out in this video? Is there an instance where maybe you came across something at a gun store where you're like, hey, this is cool and it's underappreciated? Or hey, maybe you bought something, you're like, man, this gun's a turd. Let me know in the uh, comment section below and maybe we'll address your concerns in a future mm -hmm. video. But thank you so much for the support, guys. Uh, your, your support is greatly appreciated and uh, you have no idea like, you know, the guys that buy man cans to help support our ventures and what we do to help support this content, that means a lot to us. I mean, the people that constantly come on here and they comment, like there's certain users on here, or viewers that watch our, our channel, that I, I see they comment on every single video. And it's that community that is so awesome to me that people support us on a continuous basis. Yep. And especially when those same people are like, hey, we're watching this video, even though like, yeah, I may not really like this concept much, but I wanna support you guys yep. and I wanted to learn something. So yeah. that, that eagerness for people to learn is so awesome and we really appreciate um, that enthusiasm we get especially from especially long-time viewers too I mean yep. viewers that have been with us from the get uh, from the beginning yep it's really awesome to see that they're still really active with the community on here you know That's we right. really appreciate that and it's very humbling thank you for that yeah. we appreciate that so guys we'll catch you next time much more on the way more gun gripes more firearms facts which we're actually about to film one here mm -hmm. in a minute uh, we've got more meltdowns more gun reviews more reloading more gunsmithing we're kind of a jack-of-all-trades YouTube channel when it comes to guns. We do it all. So, guys, thank you. We'll catch you next time. See you guys.